0: and i was in when I was in middle school, um, I wasn't a very cool kid. I've mentioned that before. Um, I wasn't a very cool kid, and the reality is is that this was not only something that I could observe i I wasn't oblivious to this. Um, it was also something that my classmates observed one particular time I was out from school I was sick or probably pretending to be sick because I didn't I really didn't like school Um, and somehow while I was gone the discussion came up in one of the classes that I was in about who was most likely to wear a button-up shirt to school, in middle school. And unanimously, everyone in the class, (laughs) everyone in the class voted that it would be me. And guess what? The next day, without knowing this, without being aware of this entire thing that went on while I was gone, I showed up at school the next day wearing a button up shirt. <laughs> but and see that that didn't really hurt my feelings. Um it it was it was the, the other kids, you know, as as we got a little older and other boys started going through puberty and I was this nerdy kid who I mean, I have a beard now, but I didn't... I wasn't one of those kids that, uh, like, grew a mustache in middle school. That was my best friend, Brian. He grew a mustache in middle school. We always joke that he fell into a a vat of Rogaine. Um, Because he he just had facial hair in middle school. I wasn't that kid. um, And I was the kid who wore button-up shirts. I was the kid who... Uh, was interested in science club. Um, I was the kid who didn't grow up with a dad. So a lot of a lot of kids were just plain mean. They 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 literally would would call me names and bring up the fact that I, I didn't have a dad. They they would call me names and and say that I was gay because I wore button up shirts. And it got it got really really intense. It got intense to the point where I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to be in my classes. I would pretend I was sick a lot because I didn't want to deal with it. My mom made an appointment with our guidance counselor, Mr. Sullivan. I did not like Mr. Sullivan. Um... I Mostly because for some reason, Mr. Sullivan seemed to think that the best way to deal with this bully, it's, this is what it was. It was bullying. I mean, like, he, his question to me when I said that I was being bullied was, did they touch you? Did, did they hit you? Because in his mind, this was the guidance counselor at the middle school. In his mind, if they didn't hit you, you're not being bullied. And so he kind of implied that it was my fault. That it was my fault that I was experiencing these negative things. Like at no point did they bring any of these kids. And I named all of them. I named all of the kids that were doing this to me, that, that, that I was experiencing this. And, and, you know, I was this kid who I loved Jesus and I wanted other kids to know Jesus but, but there's something about those kids who are just big jerkheads that make you not want to be a really good witness to them. Really not want to share your faith with those people. And, and like not invite them to youth group, not invite them to the things. And, and eventually my mom pulled me out of school and I was homeschooled from halfway through my eighth grade year to third through halfway through my ninth grade year. But but there was a point in the middle of all of this where like this bullying got really out of hand. And I I, I did some things something that I'm not incredibly proud of. I learned that if you took your shoe, right, and there were specific padlocks in the gym locker room. And some of them particularly some of them were were better than others like if you have a master master lock you can't do this to that one. But it is like the really cheap padlock, the the 6 dollar padlock from Walmart. And I found out that this particular kid who it was especially mean to me who relentlessly in every class and i don't know why i was in every single class with him and every single class he would call me names he would say i was gay he would uh take my uh my textbook uh, or he would um steal my pencil right before a test every day he would do stuff like this but i found out that his pe locker had one of those locks on it. And what I learned, probably from one of those kids, is that if you take the heel of your shoe and smack it on the front of that lock, it'll come open. And so I took his clothes out of his PE locker after he had left the locker room and I put them in the toilet. <laughs> I felt like he deserved it Uh, to this day. I don't think my mom even knows that story. She's probably watching, but, but the reality is, is that I really, really, really what I was doing was I was stooping to their level. I I was sinking to their level, you know? and, And yeah, it felt good and it, Telling the story is funny and it feels good, but but the reality is is that I was sinking to their level. and I think I think the reality is that we we all have done that. We've all sunk to the level of the of the the belligerent around us. <laughs> Anybody who hasn't here? Oh, perfect. Thanks, Axel. Oh, you have. okay. Perfect. I thought you were going to have to show us. We're we're going to have to we're going to have to experiment on you. So, we we have been in this series called Presence and Promise, and this uh, this series follows the life of Moses. And and Moses is an interesting character in the Bible because for a couple of reasons. One, like he didn't ever want this position. Like he never said. He didn't volunteer to lead the people out of Israel. In fact, he said from the very beginning, no, you can't send me. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I think he was really scared to go back to Egypt because he had killed a man. Not in Reno. That's a different song. <laughs> he, he was scared to go back to Egypt. He was scared to speak in front of people. He, he was uh, apparently he stuttered. He was a reluctant leader. He didn't show up on the scene being excited about the idea of leading the people out of Israel. But, but there's something interesting that happened with Moses. A a couple of things happened. Uh, He became enamored with the presence of God. Like he fell in love with being near God. He, he, he almost had an addiction to being near God to the point where like towards the, the end of the Mount Sinai experience after God revealed himself to him, when he came down the mountain, like his face was glowing, his hair was white, so much so that the people made him wear a veil on his face you remember that part of the story? He he had encountered God in such a powerful way that the people made him wear a veil on his face. The other thing that's really interesting about Moses is that Moses really, for better or for worse, begins to contend for the people of God. Like Like he not only falls in love with the presence of God, but he also in some ways, falls in love with the people. And there are various times where the people are disobedient. They, they, they don't follow God. They don't, they don't do what they're supposed to. They complain. They whine. They throw a fit. They, they have a bad attitude. They don't trust God. They don't want to go with God. They, they, they constantly are saying, this is one of the most commonly repeated phrases throughout the entire Pentateuch, is, why did you lead us out of Egypt? Like, why did you save us from slavery? Over and over and over the people say this. And over and over and over, the Bible says that God's anger burned against the people and he was ready to smite them and wipe them off of the face of the planet. But over and over and over and over, Moses contends for the people he intervenes, he intercedes to God to be patient. He says, what would the Egyptians think if they get out of Egypt only to have their God kill them? What would the the Midianites think? What would these people think? What would would it look like if you wipe these people who you say, and it's an interesting thing because it's, you know, some of those dialogues really challenge some of our theology about whether God can change his mind, whether God changes at all. Because it's, it's really interesting because it, the story, if you read it at face value, seems like Moses is the one who kept God from killing the Israelites. That's a really interesting thing. It's an interesting thing because we don't, we don't think that way about God. But we're going to look at a story in the book of Numbers, chapter 20, starting in verse 2. So they have, this works better when it's turned on. starting in verse two, it says, so they, they just arrived at this location. And, and so the, there's a couple of things that are interesting about this, this story. Number one, um, this story sounds like a repeat. It sounds like, it sounds like a story that was already told in the book of Exodus in the book of Exodus chapter 17. There's this story where the people are without water. God tells God, Moses, the people are complaining. They're saying that we, we want to go back to Egypt. Why did you take us out of Egypt and all of this stuff? And, and God, Moses cries out to God for the people. He cries out to God, like, falls on his face and cries out to God. God, help me help these people. And so God tells Moses to strike the rock and he strikes the rock and water comes out. Now, this is a little different story. This is later. This is the story towards the end of the wilderness experience. And there, there's some interesting things. like So Moses has wandered through the desert for 40 years with these people who won't stop complaining. They won't stop not trusting God. They won't stop being uh, unfaithful to God. And and something interesting happens. Starting in verse 2, it says, Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead from before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. So in verse 1 that we didn't read, we just find out that, that Moses' sister, Aaron's sister, Miriam, has died. Um, there's quite a bit going on. Uh, later on in the chapter, we see that uh, they're, they want to take a shortcut to get to the promised land. They want to go through Edom. The Edomites say, "No, you can't go through our land." And so, like they, this is a really kind of a dark time in the journey. And I don't know if it's because of that or or what, but but Moses's response is a little bit different now. I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I really struggled with this passage because I don't like the end result. I don't like, it feels really harsh. It feels like God is like a little mean to Moses after all he's put up with. But let's move on to verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of the meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. I, I love I love that. I love that, you know, no matter what space Moses is in, and when he falls on his face before God, God shows up. No matter what, like, attitude he has right now, wherever he's at. And we, we don't really see what Moses' attitude is is quite yet, but we're going to get there. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. What does it say? Speak to that rock before your their eyes And it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. Just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said this to them. This is where we kind of see what's going on with Moses. He says, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. So Moses is a little, little irritated. Moses goes from contending for, with God, for the people to a posture of almost stooping to their level uh, of he, he's in this position where he's complaining and uh, he's upset and he's angry with the people. He's angry that the people are unfaithful again. He's, He's just sick of it. And and because of that, there's a little bit of a rebellious streak there. He does something beyond what God asked him to do. God asked him to speak to the rock. Now, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, Moses's entire ministry throughout from the very beginning until this point has been filled with these amazing and crazy miracles, whether it's throwing the staff on the ground and seeing it turned into a snake, whether it's parting the Red Sea, whether it's, uh, you know, being involved in the, the delivery of all of the, the, the manna and God God's following him with this favor. And every step of the way, Moses does things the way that God said to do them. He, he follows the process before the people. And, and, and here's the thing. Part of that is, is because that's the way God had commanded it. The other part of that is in his leadership, he was exam, exemplifying what it was to follow God, what it was to be obedient, what it was to be faithful. And so in this moment, it's not just that he strikes the rock instead of speaking to the rock. It's everything about his posture. He's angry. He's no longer contending for the people. He's stooping to their level. He strikes the rock in anger. Let's keep going. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me, As holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. So, Moses wanders in the desert for 40 years with the people. He wanders in the desert for 40 years with these people who complain the whole time. And what God tells him in response to his outburst, his anger, his devolution, that the him descending into their space of complaining and angry and hurt and not following God and unfaithful and lack of trust, him descending into that, God tells Moses, you don't get to see the promised land. And I think, you know, when I first when I first started studying this passage, preparation for this message, I kept thinking, God, that's not fair. That's not fair. It's not fair that Moses would have to go through all of those difficult things, all of the difficult times, all of the 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 challenges of leading these people to be faithful up to this point, and for. For, for it to be this, that he doesn't get to see the promised land. Here's the, the challenge. Sometimes we miss opportunities. You know, as a, as a dad... It is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Um, Sometimes we miss opportunities. Sometimes we we stoop to the level of the chaos. We add to the noise. Sometimes our kids are in the middle of of the difficult things in life. and, And we, instead of getting on their level so that we can speak to them, we get on their level and lash out at them we we make mistakes we don't say we're sorry we we do things that we're we're, we're not really proud of I, I i can't speak for all of you but i know for me i have said and done things as a dad that i'm not especially proud of And the reality is is that there are moments in life that we can't get back. We can't get those moments back. We can't go back in time. You can't turn the clock back. But what you can do is go from here. You can go from here. I I think what what Moses was dealing with, what Moses was struggling with was this sense that he was just done. He was done contending. He was done fighting. He was done being the one the mature one. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been in the place where we're just done. Maybe, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it's your work. Situation, You're just done. Your boss is a jerk. And so what do you do? I love this verse from Galatians. And we'll close with this. Paul says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So here, here's the thing. Maybe you're here today and you've already given up. Maybe you're a dad and you're like, "I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I, I, there is no owner's manual on these wild animals. I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm sick of it. I'm, I, I'm just done." Maybe you're maybe you're not done, but you're really tired. And it would be easy to stoop to their level. It would be easy to engage in an angry tirade. Or maybe you already have. I would would encourage you today, we'll close with this. Don't become weary in doing good. Keep showing up. Because when you do, when you don't give up, when you say, I'm sorry, when you keep engaging, when you keep being obedient in those spaces, at the proper time, we will reap harvest if we do not give up. I just want to encourage you, especially dads today, this, this morning, if you're here and you feel like you've missed you've missed it you've missed those opportunities you 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 have you've gone beyond and and now all of a sudden you're like I don't I don't know if I can make up for the lost time you can't but you can go from here you can start from this moment Imagine what it would look like if we as as followers of Jesus, if if we as people who are a part of this community chose to start from here, to not stoop to the the level of the chaos, to not engage in the anger and the rage that we see around us, but to start from here and say, I'm going to be faithful from here. What would it look like? What would it look like if if we chose to live that way? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you, even when we miss it, the best part of this story is that even... <coughs> Even though the opportunity for Moses was missed, your presence didn't leave him. It stayed with him to the end. You showed up and worked through him even though he was angry and hurt. But you walked with him all the way to the end. God, I pray this morning for those of us who are weary. Doing good, of being obedient. Maybe we've we, we've gone too far. We've said too much. We've hurt when we shouldn't have, or when we when we didn't mean to. God, I pray that you would help us to to have the courage, one, to say that we're sorry, to be vulnerable, to confess our sin, but two. To go from here. To be present. I pray that this morning that you would encourage those parents here who. They're contending for their kids. They're contending for the the people in their lives. The, 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 The people that you put in their lives. God, I pray that you would encourage them that. In due time, they'll reap a harvest. God, I pray for the the kids here who, whether they're young or whether they're old, who their parents have contended for them. God, I pray that you would see, you would help them to see the way that their parents have contended for them. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray.